Welcome to Roy Stibbs Elementary School. This is where I went to elementary from kindergarten all the way up to grade five. And I remember so many good memories here at Roy Stibbs. Uh, just over to my left, far left behind the building. Uh, we used to play soccer all the time at lunch. I remember playing with you know, my friends Lucas and Jamie and Vincent and June, and we just record the amount of goals we'd score uh, every lunch hour, record them in our desks, put it away. So many good memories here. And I remember one particular time when I was in grade four, we were filling out some kind of questionnaire, uh, Q&A form. It was, I guess, homework. Uh, you know, things like, what's your favorite color? Red. What's your favorite sport? Hockey. Uh, favorite car? Lamborghini. Favorite movie? Tarzan. Uh, who's your best friend? And I said, God. Um, now, funny enough, fast forward like eight years or so when I'm in high school, and one of my friends is talking to my next door neighbor who also went to this elementary school. And she said, oh yeah, like I remember back in grade four, like Ryan said, like God was his best friend. And I kind of laughed about it. And then I just responded, yeah, well, you know what? Like he still is, he's still my best friend. And um, I didn't say that because I didn't have any friends. I said it because I genuinely meant it. And now here I am, I'm married, and I still believe that. God is my best friend, he's my BFF. Now, honest question for you. Have you experienced God as friend? Did you know that he can be your friend? In our series, Encountering God, today we're going to look at the topic, God is friend. This may seem foreign to you. How can God be my friend? Isn't that something that, you know, just a grade four kid would believe? Like, sure, God is creator, but why would he be a friend with humans? Former Alliance pastor and author A.W. Tozer, you may have heard of him, he once said that what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Let that just sink in for a moment. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I would add to that that your prayer life reveals a lot about what you think about God and how you view him. So, what comes to mind when you think about God or pray to him? Do you see him as friend? Because if you believe that he can't be a friend to you, you will never experience the friendship with God that we learn about in the scriptures. We'll get to this more later on, but for now, I wanna take a look at how God has been a friend to us. Before we can become a friend of God, he first had to befriend us. So we learn in the New Testament that Jesus was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners by those who opposed him. This was meant to be an insult, meant to say, hey, Jesus hung out with the wrong kind of people. But we know this to be a comforting thing that the Lord uh, our, our Jesus was a friend of sinners, of tax collectors, because we're all sinners, right? Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus would eat with the sinners and the tax collectors who were despised by many because they would often cheat people of their money. Jesus would draw near to the woman caught in adultery, to the blind, the lame, the lepers, we see that Jesus loved without borders, that he didn't create distinctions in the ways that we do, separating people based on appearance, history, status, income level, or moral living. 
He drew near to the destitute, the rejected, the neglected, and the wayward. Now, maybe you hear that and you think, well, that's, that's great. That's all in the Bible. You know, Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago, but he hasn't shown himself to be that kind of friend to me. But I would submit to you, well, actually, he has in an even more significant way. What we read in, in John chapter 15, verses 13 to 15, are Jesus' words when he says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Do you hear that? Jesus does not relate to us as master, but as friend. And that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't our master. He still is. But he chooses to relate to us as friend. As followers of Christ, we are his friends. Right? Let me explain the difference. A servant only comes when there's something to do. But a friend is welcome anytime. A servant will bring food to the table, but a friend eats it with you. A servant doesn't know the things of the master, but a friend is brought into the inner circle. Jesus calls us friend, and he's demonstrated this friendship and his love for us at a significant, at a significant cost in the deepest way possible by going to the cross in our place. Many of us, we may not even be prepared to die for our closest friends, but what Romans 5, 8 says is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. At our lowest point, he chose to be a friend and die in our place for our sin. So there's an invitation to friendship here for those who rejected him. Jesus was a friend to us so that we could be a friend of his. We also see God's friendship uh, throughout other places in the, in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. We think of uh, in Genesis, God begins a relationship with Israel through the person of Abraham. This shows that he's a personal relational God, that he takes the initiative, he reaches out to man, and he begins this covenantal relationship with the nation of Israel through whom he would work, beginning with one man, that being Abraham. He's the starting point of covenant and blessing over Israel. God takes the first step. He sa it says this in Genesis 12 too, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God reaches out to Abraham and shows that he's not a God who is far off, but one who is near. God is a friend to us as he was to sinners and to Abraham. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we consider God our friend? I now want to take a look at how we can be friends of God. And I want to continue with the example of Abraham. Because we learn in James 2.23, says this, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. And then in Isaiah 41.8, says, but as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen son, descended from Abraham, my friend. So Abraham was known as a friend of God. So we have to ask the question, like, why does, why does God call Abraham a friend? He wasn't a perfect man by any means, but I believe that it has to do with his faith, 
his obedience and his prayer life. You see, up to this point in the book of Genesis, lots has been going wrong, all right? Just three chapters into the Bible, we see Adam and Eve fall. They, they sin, they reject God by disobeying his command to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're cast out of the Garden of Eden. The very next chapter, we see uh, Cain murder his brother, Abel. Following this, we see increasing corruption and evil and wickedness take place on the earth, leading God to essentially hit the reset button through the flood. Shortly after this, we see that man decides to strive on his own strength, use his own effort to try to reach God, almost in an attempt to come back to Eden through the Tower of Babel. So there's an increasing rejection of God's presence, a reliance on human strength and not God's up to this point in the story. But finally in Abraham, we meet a man who seeks God and who walks with him. He was marked by faith in God, not himself, by obedience, not rebellion. This is what made him a friend of God. We learn in Genesis 15, 6, that uh, Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they couldn't conceive a child in their old age. And so God says to Abraham, look out on this starry night, this expanse. And he says, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars that you're looking at. And it said that Abraham believed God. It was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham was a man of faith. He was also a man of prayer. We see that um, at various points in Genesis, Abraham would travel from place to place, and once he would get there, he would set up an altar, and then he would call upon the name of the Lord. He does this a couple times in, in his story in Genesis. We also learn that he, he prays for King Abimelech and his wife to conceive a child, and they do. And finally, another instance is where Abraham prays for, intercedes for the city of Sodom. In Genesis 18, verses 17 to 18, it says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him? Interesting, because remember that part where I just mentioned, Jesus said, For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Well, this is what God does with Abraham. The Lord decides to tell Abraham what he's about to do because Abraham was a friend of his. The Lord shared with Abraham that due to the wickedness of the city of Sodom, he was about to cast judgment on it. It reminds me of Proverbs 27, 6, where it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. God had that relationship with Abraham, Abraham that had that relationship with God where there was a trust. God disclosed to Abraham what he was going to do and it may have hurt, it may have come across as um, hard to understand and confusing. But what do we see Abraham do? Well, he intercedes for this city. He asks the Lord not to cast judgment on it, not to destroy it. If there were just 50 righteous people in this city and the Lord agrees. And then Abraham whittles it down to 40, to 30, to 20, eventually to 10. If there's 10 righteous people, would he not destroy the city? And, the, and God agrees. 
we see later on, we kind of know the end of the story, there weren't 10 righteous people, um, and God does cast judgment on Sodom. And if this is something that's maybe hard for you to understand or raises a lot of questions for you, I'd, I would encourage you to just hit the live prayer button and maybe talk to one of the hosts who would be happy to help you navigate some of these harder questions. But the point that I'm making here is that Abraham had a relationship with God such that he was willing to come boldly before God, make his requests known, pray with him, be vulnerable, and come to him with just his honest, honest requests. I love what Ignatius of Loyola says on prayer. He says, we must speak to God as a friend speaks to his friend, servant to his master, now asking some favor, now acknowledging our faults and communicating to him all that concerns us, our thoughts, our fears, our projects, our desires, and in all things seeking his counsel. Right? Coming before God, being transparent, being vulnerable. Let me just quickly clarify that friendship with God doesn't mean we don't revere him. Right? Jesus isn't our buddy. He's our king, but the king who got off his throne for our sake invites us into relationship with himself. So yes, we revere God as holy and other than us, respectfully appreciating his power and authority, but we also are encouraged to draw near to the God who drew near to us and be vulnerable knowing that he deeply cares for us. So I think sometimes what we can be guilty of is that fear of God turns from reverence into actual fear, and we end up holding back in prayer. We fail to fully be open with God as we would with a friend. So by seeing God as friend, we let ourselves open up and become more vulnerable. God is close. He's approachable. He is trustworthy. He is safe to be vulnerable with. He won't fail us. Do we see him as taskmaster? taskmaster or as close friend. You can relax into a conversation with him and not hold back as you would with a friend. I like to imagine my relationship with God being similar to how it's, it's just easy to go for coffee with a friend or play around a golf with a friend. You don't have to be on. You don't have to worry about how you're being perceived. Uh, you don't have to worry about venting or sanitizing your language in a sense. Like you can, you can just be fully honest with how you're feeling and what you're communicating. And God is that, that safe person for us. Uh, he's deeply relational. Friendships thrive on communication. You can't have a friendship without talking, without listening. So I ask you, what does your prayer life look like? I love this quote by J.I. Packer. He sums this up well. Um, it's a long one, so prepare yourself, but it's, it's a good one. It says, men who know their God are before anything else, men who pray. And the first point where their zeal and energy for God's glory come to expression is in their prayers. The invariable fruit of true knowledge of God is energy to pray for God's cause. Energy indeed, which can only find an outlet and a relief of inner tension when channeled into such prayer. And the more knowledge, the more energy. We can all pray about the ungodliness and apostasy which we see in everyday life, all around us. If, however, there is in us little energy for such prayer and little consequent practice of it, this is a sure sign that as yet we are scarcely, we scarcely know our God. We must learn to measure ourselves, 
not by our knowledge about God, nor by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts. Wow, isn't that a convicting quote? What should be the measure of the relationship we have with God? Well, it starts with your prayer life. What does that look like? Because again, how you pray probably tells us a lot about how you view God. It's not about our gifts, it's not about what we do for God, but it's do we actually know him? So I ask you, do you know God? Do you know him? Do you know his voice when you hear it? Because the Pharisees, they knew about God, but they didn't know him personally. They knew the right answers, but they didn't know him at a heart level. And Jesus had some scary words for people that knew all about God, but didn't know him personally. He says in Matthew 7, 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus is speaking to people who knew the truth about him. How can you cast out a demon without the name of Jesus? They knew the truth about him. They knew the authority of Jesus, but they didn't know him personally. How can Jesus know us if we don't spend time with him and know him like a friend would? We can look all good externally, but what matters is do we know God personally? Because there's a world of a difference between knowing about God and actually knowing him. I have one more quote by J.I. Packer. I wanted to put in seven, but we're going to go with two. So here it is. It says, The question is not whether we are good at theology or balanced in our approach to problems of Christian living. The question is, can we say simply, honestly, not because we feel that as evangelicals we ought to, but because it is plain matter of fact that we have known God and that because we have known God, the unpleasantness we have had or the pleasantness we have not had through being Christians does not matter to us. If we really knew God, this is what we would be saying. And if we are not saying it, that is a sign that we need to face ourselves more sharply with the difference between knowing God and merely knowing about him. If we know God personally, truly, we'll be content with him alone. He's our friend. We'll be content with not enjoying the pleasures that some might. We'll be content with suffering the hardships that might come our way because we have Christ as our friend. If you know God as friend, you will know these things that I'm about to read, not simply as intellectual truths, but as heartfelt promises. Do you know that God delights in you? Do you know that God is truly good? Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know that God is for you, not against you? As we learn in Romans 8. Sadly, what I knew in grade four, that God is my friend, may be a reality that many of you haven't experienced in the decades you've lived. But there's an invitation here to friendship with the Lord. Let me leave you on a positive, on an encouraging note. Jesus tells the church in Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Here's the Lord standing at the door knocking, wanting friendship with you, demonstrating that he's already been a friend to us. The question is, do you want to know him? Do you want to be his friend? As we long to spend time with our best friends, and we can't wait to see them, can't wait to talk to them, catch up, we're invited into the same sort of relationship with God. He is our friend. He will never disappoint. He will never fail. So the question is, will you let him in for lunch? Let's pray. God, you've been a friend to us. That you sent your son to die for us in our place for our sins. That we would have right relationship with you. That you died for us as your friends, even though we were enemies of you, going our own way. But Lord, you made a way back to yourself. We thank you that you want to relate to us despite our shortcomings. We thank you that uh, you don't just put up with us. You're not just a God who creates and then stands from afar or at a distance, but you come near. You are personal. You are knowable as a friend. Lord, would you inspire us to lean into that friendship with you? God, you're not going to let us down. We can trust you. Lord, draw near to us as we seek to draw near to you as friends. Deepen our relationship with you. Would our prayers reflect the prayers of a true friend, we pray in your name. Amen.